we're going to now go over and uh, we're going to open up God's word together. So if you've got a Bible uh, with you, why don't you flick to the uh, last chapter of Luke, Luke 24. Uh, we've been in the gospel of Luke for what it seems like 20 years now. Um, we've been going through it bit by bit and uh, it's been very inspiring uh, to read all the things that uh, Jesus did. Uh, uh, in, in real life, it's been actually 20 months, but it's been such a joy feeding ourselves on the uh, real gospel uh, that we um, uh, get to uh, uh, get to experience for ourselves. And uh, the, the climax uh, of the story really is in the last chapter, chapter 24, that we arrived today. The climax of all the stories of Jesus, the big story of Jesus has been building up to this chapter. If you take this chapter out of the gospel of Luke, none of the others make sense. And it's all about the death and resurrection of Jesus. You see, um, if the, the, the resurrection of Jesus is true, then it really um, shows us that Jesus was the son of God, that he was the one who defeated death. If it's not true, if he was just a good person, uh, a good teacher, um, uh, then everything falls down. Because the reality is that Jesus said some very, very big things about himself that are either proven or disproven by his resurrection. Um, Jesus said some uh, very, very big things. So, for example, um, he said, um, uh, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, he said, I'm the bread of life. You come to me, you will have your hunger filled. Uh, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die. Um, those are some really big claims. If he says that I am the, the one who gives life and resurrection, then really, if he's not alive, if he's still dead, then um, there's nothing true about any of these things. Everything stands and falls with Jesus' resurrection. And the reality is that uh, he is either the son of God or he's something different. Uh, he is a deceiver or uh, somebody who's absolutely crazy. And um, uh, C.S. Lewis writes in his uh, wonderful book, Mere Christianity, a quote um, that really provokes us uh, on this regard. He says, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says that he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something much worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He did not leave that open to us. He did not intend to. So, what we're about to read today, and uh, C.S. Lewis put it so stark, really is the hinge uh, pinch of the, of the gospel. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, then everything he said is true. And if he didn't, we might as well not bother reading it. So why don't we open up the gospel of Luke chapter 24 and uh, Rob Harding is going to read it to us. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. They went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared before them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. 
And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He is here. He is risen. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this and they rushed back and told his 12 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But their story sounded nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb, stooping. He peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home, wondering what had happened. That same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked, they talked about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces and one of them, Cleopas, said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all about the things that have happened in the last few days. What things? Jesus replied. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and to be crucified. We had hoped he'd be the Messiah who'd come to rescue all of Jerusalem. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers went to his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them he was alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, the body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, foolish people, you find it so hard to believe the things the prophets wrote of in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to endure all these things before entering into his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writing of Moses and all the prophets, explaining to them from the scriptures all the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus in the end of their journey. Jesus pretended he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting so late. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as, as he walked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There, they were found by the 11 disciples and the others who gathered with them who said, the Lord has really arisen. He's appeared to Peter. Then the two men from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them while they were walking along the road and how they'd recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were talking about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they'd seen a ghost. Why are you frightened? 
he asked. Why are your hearts full of doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me. Feel that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies, as you can see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And then he said to them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said to them, When I was with you before, I told you everything that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms had to be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah must suffer and die and rise again on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name through all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness for all who repent. You are a witness of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city till the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he left them and was taken to heaven. So they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem filled with joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. Amen. What a wonderful reading. Thank you, Rob. Very, very good. So Jesus died on the cross. A tragic event had happened. Uh, he was buried on Friday and then on the Saturday, it was a quiet day. Nothing happened. Probably the most miserable day in the whole of history. Jesus had died. What seemed to have been a great and powerful man had just seemed to have died powerlessly on a cross. And the disciples were disillusioned. They had hoped that he would be the rescuer, the Messiah. They would have hoped that he would have rid the Romans. They would have come to Jerusalem with anticipation, um, thinking that now was going to be the time and everything had just collapsed. And then Sunday morning, what is for us, Monday morning, the start of their week, the women went to the tomb and they brought some spices with them. It was their custom to bomb a dead body to bring honor to the person who had died and to uh, bring preservation and uh, they wanted to keep the memory of Jesus alive and yet when they came to the tomb the stone had rolled away they could not make sense the grave was empty they had come to bring honor to a dead man but he was no longer there and when we uh, read the story on we can see that they are puzzled they're trying to figure out what has happened and before they can find an answer two angels appear to them and they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? They had come to bring honor to a dead person, but Jesus was not dead. Jesus was alive. And uh, the women can't believe it. They, I mean, how overwhelming it must have been seeing uh, two angels, hearing news that they could not make sense of. And then they run back to the 11. Now it says the 11 here because the 12 had lost Judas who'd betrayed uh, Jesus and uh, had hanged himself by that time. And they come with the story and uh, uh, they tell the story about how the grave is empty, how they've seen angels. And uh, the disciples, it says, uh, their words seem to them like nonsense, humbug. 
what on earth are they talking about, these crazy women? And uh, Peter runs off, he goes to the grave, and we can see in some of the other Gospels, he does that together with John, and he goes have a look for himself. And he finds that the tomb is indeed empty. The stone is rolled away, but he does not see angels, and he can't make sense of what's been happening. Now, this is a very peculiar event. If you were to write a story and you wanted it to be convincing, you would not have written it in this way. Back in the day, uh, the women, the Jewish women, were not even allowed to give witness in the court of justice because they were not deemed reliable witnesses. If you were making up a story about a saviour, you would have not come up with the idea that women would have found the grave empty. And if it had happened, you would probably try to cover it up somehow. But really... The problem of the empty grave was one that was uh, difficult to understand. And even in our day, many people have debated, um, where uh, did Jesus rise from the dead, didn't he? Well, really, the empty grave seemed to be the conundrum for us to need to solve in order to be able to answer that question. What could have happened? Uh, Just think for a moment. Um, Perhaps the religious leaders would have taken Jesus' body away. They didn't want then uh, disciples to bring honour to Jesus. So they they came in in the middle of the night and they took it away or uh, uh, maybe something like that would have happened. But um, that doesn't really make sense if you think that the whole news about Jesus coming alive would have come out later and they were trying to stop that. All they would have needed to have done was pull out the dead body and say, no, it's not happened. So it's unlikely that that would have happened. Um, Would the disciples have come and swooped in to come and steal the body of Jesus? Um, Well, it's an option. Many people have said that and they said, well, uh, the story of Jesus, it's all made up. The disciples stole his body and then made up this story about him being a saviour. Well, it's kind of a peculiar one because the religious leaders put soldiers at the grave to protect the grave for that very reason. And then they uh, paid the soldiers, we can see in some of the other Gospels, to lie and say that fallen asleep and the disciples would have come to stone it, um, which doesn't really make much sense. I mean, the disciples all ran away when Jesus was in trouble. Why would they come back now? And why would they steal a body? Um, Even stronger, we can see throughout church history that all the disciples died for their faith. They were martyred. They were killed. Now, who would be willing to die for a lie? maybe one lunatic, but all of them, hundreds of them, would have been willing to die for a lie? That does not make sense. Um, Perhaps Jesus wasn't dead at all. Maybe he just hung on the cross and he survived somehow and he he managed to crawl out the tomb himself. Well, a bit of an unlikely story, I think. The Romans were uh, very well known for their ruthless methods and uh, they checked Jesus had really died by putting a spear in the side and blood and water came out to really prove that he had died. So none of these things really explain. And to the disciples, it was all humbug. They couldn't understand it. The fact of the empty grave baffled them. Uh, But the reality was that the empty grave did not lead them to faith. They saw the empty grave, but they couldn't understand it. It was just nonsense to them. And then we can see a a very beautiful story unfolding that Jesus is about to prove himself really the saviour who is risen from the dead by appearing to them. And uh, uh, we can read the story of two followers who are on the road to Emmaus. And uh, I recorded a little video earlier on uh, to tell that bit of the story. 
Now, at the end of this crazy day, two disciples go on the road to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to a little town just outside, and they are talking about the things that they have heard. They don't, they can't make sense of what the women have said. They don't understand it. And whilst they're talking, Jesus comes and he joins them. He starts to walk next to them and says, what are you talking about? And they say, are you the only one who doesn't know? Do you not know what's happened to Jesus in this uh, week? The whole town's been talking about it. And uh, Jesus doesn't even answer the question. He goes uh, on to say, what do you mean? And they tell him the story. How about they uh, had hoped that Jesus would have been the Messiah that would have rid them of the Romans uh, and that he would be the one who would have uh, rescued them. And Jesus listened to it. And then he says to them in return, did you not know? Do you not know? that the Messiah was always meant to suffer. And then he starts to explain right from the Old Testament that the rescuer would be a suffering servant all along. And as they're journeying uh, on the road, he starts to explain to them step by step that the Messiah was supposed to come and to suffer, that the empty grave was the whole point of the whole of the Old Testament that had been leading up to it. He was the one who was to come to set his people free, not just from the Romans, but much, much more than that. And then they come back, arrive at their place where they're staying. And uh, Jesus pretends like he's moving on. You think, what this all about? He's pretending as if he wants to go further. Um, but they urge him strongly to not go further, but come in. Now, we can see this happening earlier on in the Gospels, where Jesus uh, is in uh, on the, uh, in a storm, where uh, they're in a boat and he's pretending like to go on, but they are uh, calling out to him. And, and this is what Jesus is after. You see, um, the empty tomb did not explain to the disciples what was happening. Um, Jesus himself explained it to them uh, did not make them understand it. It's not until they invite him into their house and when they sit down and break the bread that they suddenly start to see. There is something about inviting Jesus in, laying aside your questions and your um, thoughts and to just welcoming in that in that moment there's a, a real revelation of who he is. And uh, maybe today you've heard um, things uh, for the first time. Maybe you've uh, seen it uh, with your own eyes for the first time, the Easter story, and you've uh, think, well, I've, I've heard this before, but I don't fully understand it. Um, Jesus is standing at the door and he's asking us to come and invite him in. So uh, I want to encourage you today at Easter, invite him in, open up the door to him and let him in. Let him in. I wonder what would have happened if they would have let Jesus walk on. I wonder what would have happened to the story if they just said goodbye and they went inside. Now, luckily, we don't have to find out. They invited Jesus in. They invited Jesus to come and have food with them. And as he's having food with them, he's breaking the bread. And uh, whether they're reminding uh, themselves of the moment where they had uh, bread for the last time, I I don't quite know what happens. But in that moment, they suddenly see it's Jesus. And at that moment, he instantly vanishes. And that obviously to uh, all the other things adds to the the amazement and uh, uh, the assurance that really this was. Jesus. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I can remember being a Christian, uh, growing up in a, in a, in a, in a Christian household uh, for a long time. And I heard the stories about Jesus and I, I knew him. But really, there had to come a point where I started to draw close and invite Jesus into my life. Now, 
I had reservations. I had questions. And to be honest, I still have questions. I still have reservations that haven't been fully answered. But it wasn't until I learned how to lay down some of these things to invite Jesus in. Not because I somehow put my brain on the night shelf, um, but because I needed to trust him before I could experience him. And this is what happens. And we can see that as soon as the disciples see that Jesus is alive, everything changes. They were fearful. They were hiding. They asked Jesus to come in from the dark because it was dangerous to go out at that time of day. And all of a sudden, they fling the door open and they run back. It was about seven miles back to Jerusalem to go and tell the disciples a dangerous journey in the dark. Uh, and when they come there and um, they tell the others, and uh, it says that Simon, who was the Simon Peter, who was the leader of the early church, had already seen Jesus as well. And, and they're still startled they still can't quite understand and then Jesus appears before them in his very presence and they are baffled again they are fearful they uh, uh, they they are startled and he says why are you troubled why do you doubt it's me here look at my hands and he shows them the the the, the nail marks of his hands uh, and then he says give me a, a bit of fish to eat so i show you that i'm not a ghost jesus appears to these people in in the very presence and yet still they can't quite fully see who he is but slowly slowly their heart starts to awaken to the fact that this really is Jesus. And then Jesus says, I'm going to use you to be my witnesses. I'm going to give you power. You're going to change the world. And then he goes up to heaven and it's like a cliffhanger. That's where the story ends. And uh, if you know the Gospel of Luke, uh, actually continues in the story of Acts. Luke uh, wrote this, uh, the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the story of the church in Acts, and there it continues. We can read on what happens. Now, many, many things happened from there on, but we can see that doubtful followers, uh, fearful followers, they gathered in that upper room, it said, at the time when Jesus appeared to them, being afraid because of the Jewish leaders. At that moment, something so significantly changed in their hearts that they became fearless followers of Jesus. They would uh, have to overcome persecution and hardship. Many of them would have been tortured to death and put in prison. Yet there was something so strongly resolved in their hearts that none of these things would help them. Where they uh, before were doubtful, now they had faith and they strongly held on to what Jesus had said. None of them was able to move away from Jesus once they've seen him alive. And uh, we live in a day where there's many troubles, my friends. Let's be honest. Life is difficult. We don't really know what tomorrow brings. We could have not imagined a month ago that we would all be sitting in our living rooms watching each other on a screen and yet longing to meet some people and wouldn't be able to. Uh, you might have financial troubles. Um, you, you might have health anxiety. You might have loved ones that you are worried for. Uh, I, I understand all these fears. And yet in the midst of all of these things, my friends, there is hope. The gospel is still the same. Easter's message is still the same. Jesus, who died, has raised to life again. And now he gives us life that goes beyond this life. We do not have to be anxious about what tomorrow brings. We don't even have to be anxious about when this life ends because we have eternity with him. And therefore, the story of Easter is our reassurance. The story of Easter is our rock, is our foundation. The resurrection of Christ shows us that nothing is beyond Jesus' control. So therefore, my friends, we can be baffled, we can be confused, uh, we can be shaken, but we do not have to be overcome by these challenges. We can hold on to what Jesus is saying and we can invite him. In. And I want to encourage you over uh, this Easter Sunday, invite him in. 
bring him close so that you can learn how to get hold of that peace. You know, in order to feel the strength of the anchor we looked at this morning, uh, storms may come, but we will find that he is strong enough. And I want to encourage you, if you've been frantic, if you've been worried, if you've been flicking on to the news at the start of the day and at the end of the day, worried about how to get by, my friends, that is not a way that we need to live. We can live in peace. Yes, we still have challenges and we won't diminish those. But Jesus has come to bring us peace. He has come to bring us uh, strength. And I want to encourage you, invite him in. Invite him in. And as you invite him in, he will come and reveal himself to you. Take daily time to be with him and invite him in to come and share your struggles, your challenges. And he will be enough. He defeated death. He can defeat this. He has uh, risen to heaven and he is interceding for us with the Father, it says. And that gives us great confidence for today. And then the story ends. The story ends with the cliffhanger and it says, and they worshipped him. Now, that really is the right response to this whole Easter story. We can be confused. We can be baffled. We can be amazed. And yet all of these things will bring us into a place of a magnificent impression of how great God is, that he even can defeat death. And that should lead us to worship, shouldn't it? That should lead us to worship him in every season. I want to encourage you, worship him. When you're at home, worship him. Put on some music, find some YouTube videos, worship him. In the middle of the storm, worship him. There's great power in declaring the greatness and the goodness of God. So let's continue to hold on to Jesus. He's risen. Amen. Wave at me when you agree. He is risen. He's alive and we can have hope and we will continue to worship him in the middle of the storm because he is a worthy savior, even in this day. Why don't we respond to that? with worship together.